What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Hope Huddle Podcast, your place for inspiration, hope, and empowerment. I'm so excited to talk about the most important person, in my opinion, ever in history. His life, his story, his legacy, his power has reached 2.3 billion people of all ages all over the world. He existed over 2,000 years ago and his life impacted those of fishermen who were common ordinary men and women to tax collectors who were thieves in those days, Pharisees who who were the religious of the time, the poor, the prostitutes, the sick, the oppressed, even to high officials in society. All of these people were affected by the life of this man. A man who made the most bold claims ever in history, uh, and especially and particularly in the realm of religious figures, made the boldest of claims because while other religious leaders and figures would say, I am simply searching for truth, and others would say, my life, I just want to be able to point to truth, and others would say, there really is no truth at all. Life is elusive. It's like a butterfly that's here right now and gone tomorrow. This man said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, either he had to be a lunatic, he had to be a liar, or he had to be who he claimed to be. He was born of a virgin. He was God in the flesh, incarnate. He was in the beginning, and the scripture declares that he was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made by him. Without him, nothing was made. In him was life, and his life was the light of men. In case you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Jesus. The son of God who became the son of man so that the sons of man could become sons of God. The man who took on flesh, 100% God, but also 100% human, human enough to weep when his friend Lazarus died over there in John chapter 11, but God enough to resurrect him after four days of being dead. He was God enough to have compassion over the hungry multitude when they were listening to him, his teaching, but he was God enough to multiply some fishes and some loaves to have the biggest fish fry in the world. I'm talking about Jesus. He was man enough to feel the storm when he was sleeping on the boat, but he was God enough to rise up and say, be still, calm yourself. He was He was God enough to speak to the storm. He was 
he was man, but he was God, and this figure has, has, has caused so much uh, talk throughout the ages, and here we are reflecting and serving a man named Jesus. Now, here is the challenge. Here is the battle that we have now in day with faith in the times that we live in. I realize the struggle, if you will, when it comes to the person of Jesus because, because many have a problem. They have difficulty. Many are skeptics, many don't believe, many are, are, are conflicted when it comes to the person of Jesus and I, and I can understand why, I can understand why because the people who claim to know him misrepresent him, mistreat others in his name and misinterpret what he was really about. I understand the struggle for those who are watching me. I know you're conflicted with your faith because people who claim to serve him, love him, and know him really, in fact, did not know anything about him and the truth of who he was. And so now, years later, you're frustrated, you're upset, and you're lost because, because you're, 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 you're conflicted in your faith. And so now you, you've been lost in the sauce for all of these years, frustrated and upset, conflicted in your faith because on one side you, you, you're compelled by the person of Jesus, but on the other side you're torn because of what you've seen, what they said about you, and what they've done to you, I understand. And so now even though there's overwhelming evidence when it comes to the history, the historical figure of Jesus in philosophy and even in theology, that there is overwhelming evidence of this person named Jesus, you're lost in the sauce because you're saying, you know what, I'm having a hard time because the people who claim to know him, it doesn't add up. It, do, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to align. So my prayer throughout this series is that you will get to know the real Jesus of scripture. Not only what your abuelita told you about him, not what Big Mama and them told you about him, not only what your denomination told you about him, not only what that, what, what, what that church told you about him, I want you to really get to know the real Jesus of scripture because when you really start to dig into the scripture, you will be amazed of who this person is. I want you to know what the Bible says about him. I want you to know who he really is. And so, and so when he came to this earth, he came on a specific mission. And today with the time that I have, because now they put a timer on me and now I gotta look at this clock that's bright and red in my eyes and I see you going down, but I will defeat you too. <laughs> I want in the time that I have, to share his mission statement, if you will. In Luke chapter four, and before you turn to it on the screen, let me give a little context. In Luke chapter four, Jesus had, had already been baptized because, because although he was God, he's told the, 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 uh, John the Baptist, the prophet John, he said, I must fulfill with all righteousness, and so I've got to be baptized, even though John said, listen, man, I know who you are. You should be baptizing me, but Jesus said, it must, it must be fulfilled according to scripture, and I must fulfill with all righteousness, and he says, I, I, I'm going to be baptized. After that, he was led into a time of prayer and fasting for 40 days, and so here we are in Luke chapter 4, and we find Jesus that he 
he's being, he's being led by the Spirit up to the mountain to fast for 40 days before his ministry went public and before he launched into serving and ministering to people. And so here in chapter four, we're seeing in the, in the earlier verses that he was tempted by the devil in over there in the mountain during his time of prayer and fasting. And of course, he overcame by the power of the word. I know you've read that part in the Bible. And so now after that, he's led by the Spirit to go to his hometown of Nazareth. And the Bible declares that he went to the synagogue as it was his custom because yes, even Jesus will go to church. And here you are talking about, I just gotta go once a month. I'm not talking to anybody here. I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at my my online viewers. I hope to see you soon in person. The Bible says, as it was his custom, and so he was standing there in the synagogue, and he opened up the scrolls, and he opened up to the portion in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 61, but really he went to that portion because he was letting the people know that he was in fact the fulfillment of that prophecy hundreds of years prior that was made by the prophet Isaiah, that he was the fulfillment of the prophecy, and so here we are, verse uh, chapter 4, verse 18, let's turn there on the screen and this is him declaring that he is the fulfillment of the prophecy and what he came to do I want us to read that together and I want you to read it like you ate some breakfast every you did you eat breakfast today okay let's do it like you ate some breakfast here we go Luke chapter 4 verse 18 are you ready let's do it on the count of three Uh, this side are you ready Okay, this side, you ready? All right, let's do it together. Chapter four, verse 18. One, two, three. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. That was his mission statement. And so I want to share with you three things from Luke chapter four, verse 18, about his mission statement. If you're taking notes, the first thing he came to do was to proclaim. Say with me, proclaim. To proclaim, to preach, to emphasize, to live, not simply speak, but to actually live. I came, he says, to proclaim good news to the poor. Not only was he speaking to those who were economically disenfranchised, in that time, those who were ostracized, not only was he called to minister to those who were in the project, Section 8 housing, but he was talking to those who had money but were still poor. Because you can have money and still be poor. You can have all the money and all the possessions in the world and still be morally and spiritually bankrupt. So when he says proclaim good news to the poor, what he was saying is my message is for the one that's here in Sachene and to the one that's in the palace, I'm here to proclaim good news to the poor and those who are in need. And I'm so glad that he said that because it lets me know that the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is not for a specific group, but in fact, it's for everyone that ever existed and will ever exist. I'm so glad that God didn't just choose a specific people to say, these are the people that I want to proclaim good news to, but he says to everyone in this place, whatever age, whatever season you are in life, whether you're divorced, whether you're in a relationship that's complicated, 
whether you're single, whether you're a child, whether you're a young man, whether you're an elderly person, he says, I came for all of you and not just some of you. And I'm grateful to know that. I came to proclaim good news. There's no VIP, there's no premium service in order to get access to him. He says it's for everyone, but he says good news. In order for there to be good news, there has to be bad news. Do you want the good news or do you want the bad news first? You ever been asked that? Which, which do you prefer first? I always say, give me the bad news, man. I just want you to rip that Band-Aid off. Listen, man, don't. Here is the bad news. Because if there was good news, there had to be bad news. The bad news was and is, is that no matter how much we try within our human efforts, we will never meet the standard of righteousness with God. Pastor, I'm a good person with all of your good deeds. It still is not up to the standard of a holy, righteous, yet loving God. No matter how much we try within our human efforts, we cannot reach that place. In fact, the Bible declares in Romans chapter 3, we have all, all of us, even you, Pastor, yes, and more, all have fallen short of the glory of God. That was the bad news. And so Jesus had to take on flesh because he could not be a savior of man until he knew what it was to be a man. He had no legal right. And it was until he, in fact, took on flesh, came down from heaven, and so that he could model what it was to live a gracious life, what it, what it was to live a loving life, what it, what it was to really live a godly life. He said, I got to take on the flesh. So the good news is nothing that, the, the good news is that, that nothing uh, that we do cannot amount or reach the status or the standard of God but Jesus said through me you can reach that standard that's the good news I'll never forget when I was this was years ago we didn't have GPS y'all remember MapQuest (laughs) some of y'all don't know that you have to print out the sheet when before you travel (laughs) you had to print out the papers in 400 feet, you look at that, that daggone paper like, the worst thing is when them papers, if you, if you put the window down, you ever had papers just fly out? Oh, buddy. <laughs> it, was, it was back in them days. So, look at the youngest. They have no clue what he's talking about. <laughs> GPS, Pastor, hey, navigation, don't know what you're saying. Yeah, we used to have to use MapQuest and... I remember traveling from Maryland and I had to get to a place in Virginia and, and I was lost. For those that know Pastor Sergio very well, you will know that I'm not the best with directions. No. It, they're always beside me telling me, make this left, turn this right. We've been here a hundred times and you still, that's me, that's me. You got to be gracious with me. So I was lost. It was a late night after traveling and preaching, and so it was the middle of the night, and I, here I am, I got the light on, and I'm trying to read this daggone map quest, and I'm lost. And the only way at that point for me to get over to where I needed to get to was that I had to get on a ferry. And I didn't know that I had to get, get, get on a ferry in order for me to cross over to the, you know, the, the ones that, that lift your vehicle, and then they just, yeah. I'm lost. I'm in the dark. Y'all see my frame. I don't know what can happen to me. 
and I see there's a way to get to the other side, but I can't do it on my own. And so, and so I stop, and I say, there's hope for me, but the problem now is, I hope they take credit, because I see a sign that it costs $5 in order to get on the ferry. I began to pray, because I start hearing that, you ever start looking for something, you know you don't have it, but you start, you, if it appear, if I just tap it a couple times, like, <laughs> I have no cash. And so here, this big old greasy dude, and I pulled down my window, and I said, hey man, do you take credit? And he looks at me with, a, it's like his eye was just like, one of them was just kind of shutting. And he's like, we don't, we don't take credit, I need cash. And I'm like, brother, I don't have any cash on me, I am lost, it's dark, it's late, I don't, I don't know what to do right now. Could you please, please find it in your heart? I ain't wanna mess with this brother. This is one of those brothers, you look at him, you just like, you just, hey, right now, God bless you. He's one of these brothers, and so I said, please, I, I, would you just cover me, let me go through. And I could see he was reluctant, but he let me go through. That's called grace. See, I could never get to the other side of where God wanted to meet. I needed somebody to mediate for me. I needed someone to stand in my place. I needed someone who could identify with me and say, I will let you get to where you need to go to because I love you. I have promise for you. There is purpose inside of you. Jesus is that person. He came to proclaim good news to the poor. He came to proclaim freedom. I'm so glad about this because in Jesus, no longer do I have to be bound to addiction. No longer do I have to be bound to hate. No longer do I have to be bound to violence. No longer do I have to be bound to hypocrisy, envy, greed. No longer do I have to be a prisoner of the enemy, witchcraft and sorcery. No longer do I have to be bound to my possessions. No longer do I have to be bound to tradition and legalism. I don't have to stay captive he says I came to proclaim freedom the scripture declares he who the Sun sets free is free indeed he's able to free you and I just want to declare to somebody in the house I don't know who this is for if you would receive it there is absolutely no chain that the love power of Jesus cannot break I feel I feel like I should say that again there is absolutely no chain no addiction no bondage that the love and power and spirit of Jesus cannot break cannot change, cannot turn around. I wish I had two or three people that would say, God, I believe that you're able, that you're a chain breaker, that you're a miracle worker, that you're a promise keeper. There is nothing that he cannot break 
Because I came to proclaim good news of freedom. Can you look at the person beside you and just tell him you're free today? I wish I had somebody that would help me preach and just tell him you are free today. Aren't you glad today that you're able to lift up your hands and declare I am free? Because there was a time of your life where you were chained up and you were bound, but you met a man named Jesus and he set you free. And he turned you around. Ah, he said, I came to set you free. And if I've set you free, you are free indeed. See, some of you are questioning whether you are free because the enemy is telling you, you're still, look, you're still doing the same thing. You're still in the same place. You're still with the same people. I want to declare that if he set you free, that you are free indeed. Begin to walk in your new identity. Begin to live and proclaim that Jesus is the one that's done the work in your life. I feel like preaching this thing right here. I know I only got five people and some people in the back are falling asleep, uh, but, 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 but I just feel like declaring it to someone because you came and you felt like you came bound to this place. I'm declaring that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. The second thing he came to do is to heal. He says recovery of sight for the blind, he came to heal. Did you know that Jesus takes an interest in even people's physical suffering? He is the God that heals. The people of that day, they didn't have the technology. They didn't have the advancements. And so when Jesus came proclaiming that he was the truth, the way, and the life, they needed signs. They needed to see the evidence. And so he came not only with words, but he came with demonstration of power. And he went about healing and delivering not only people's physical suffering, but their emotional and mental suffering. He said, I came for the recovery of sight for the blind. And even after that, the first century church, they would cry out to God for miracles because they said, God, if you don't do it, no one else is able to do it. And I'm afraid that we're living in a time because we've gotten uh, advanced technologically and we're now wiser than we were before and now science has advanced that we're in a time where people don't cry out for miracles. But I want to remind somebody in the house that Jesus is still in the business of doing miracles. I don't care what the enemy says. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what your doubt, your pessimism or negativity says. He's still able to do it. And so when I was praying about this message, the Lord charged me to declare it to this church that he's still able to do miracles. And we can never lose sight of that. God, if you're not able to do the miracle, no one else will. And you begin to pray and believe and fast and cry out and begin to to pour your heart out believing that he's able to do it. Sometimes he'll heal you instantly. Sometimes it will be a process. Sometimes he will even use the wisdom of doctors and medicine. Sometimes he only removes the pain, but we can still cry and trust and declare that he is a healer. Why do I know that and why can I declare that today? Because the Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
if he healed and delivered back then, he's able to do it again. And if he's doing it today, he's able to do it now because he's not a man that he should lie nor the son of man to repent. He declares, I am the Lord God, your healer. And so he came on a mission to heal. The third thing he came to do was to set people free. Thank you. I got one. Can you give me a good amen? Let me know you're still here. All right. See, many are oppressed, distressed, weighed down, grieving. Many are socially oppressed. And Jesus, during that time, had compassion for the outcasts, for the people that everyone else would shut out, the lepers, for example the people who were oppressed by sin in a destructive lifestyle. Jesus restored the life of a Samaritan woman. Jesus shared in a parable the illustration of the prodigal son, which was a reflection of his love for humanity. Regardless of how far you've left, there's no place that the love of God can't reach. And so he says, he's able to set you free. During that time and nowadays, People during that day were oppressed by difficult life experiences as many are today. Oppressed by many life experiences. Oppressed by pain. Oppressed by hurts. Oppressed by childhood abuse. Oppressed by marital infidelity. Oppressed by financial crisis. But he gave hope and encouragement to their wounded hearts during that day. And I will let you know that he's able to do that today in your life. He said, I'm here to set those who are oppressed free. Those who are oppressed by fear and worry, he says, I've come to set you free. There were many examples where Jesus would tell his disciples, do not worry, do not fear. But yet so many people are living oppressed and Jesus wants to tell you, no longer do you have to live with that fear. No longer do you have to live with that anxiety. No longer do you have to live oppressed by what happened to you, what they said about you, what they did to you. Some of y'all are still thinking about what old girl did to you and you can't move forward. Some of y'all still thinking about that joker that broke your heart five years ago, can't move forward. Some of y'all still still struggling with the charm of what happened in the family. Some of y'all still struggling in the new job. You're not, you're already in a new place but still traumatized because they let you go in the past and so here you are feeling oppressed but Jesus wants to let you know that his hand is on your life and he came to set you free from whatever oppression whatever fear whatever worry he says I've got you I've got you can you do me a favor and just look at the person beside you and tell him God's got you you may not believe it but God's got you he's got you You know, the struggle is you can hear this message. I want my brothers to help me out. The struggle is we can hear this message and say that sounds like like some wonderful rhetoric and sounds very encouraging and very hopeful. But that's not for me. (laughs) 
because of what you've heard what your family told you about Jesus because of what what society is saying about Jesus what the world is saying about him and so you've been led by that and whenever you want to get a clear picture of who this person is it's distorted because they told you he's judgmental because they told you not because that's who he is but because of what you heard because of what you saw growing up because of the people that claim to know him and how they practice manipulated and hurt people using the very word that God wanted to use to build you up but they put you down I know I'm talking to somebody in the house and there's some you're here because there's something tugging at your heart there's something pulling you but you're bound and you're stuck because you see hatred all you see is the pain all you see is the depression all you see is that you're a sinner all you see is that you're a loser all you see is that you're a failure all you see is that you're unloyal all you see is the people were unworthy and you're unworthy you're a husband and nothing that you read here aligns because this is what you see and so the image the lens that you're viewing this through has been distorted but in the name of Jesus I'm declaring that the things that had you bound I feel him here now he's in this place don't do it too hard now because you're gonna have to <laughs> and so you want to you're coming here and you're getting a different perspective and you're now putting on a different lens because you can never truly see a person for who they are when you're viewing a person through the lens of others so it doesn't matter how good I tell you God is if you already decided and put the lens on that he is these things you will never be free to clear the image but you've come to a place of solution you've come to a place that is a real refuge this church is a place well, we're not afraid of the questions you're gonna get the answers we believe God that he's able to do miracle signs and wonders we believe that he's a wave maker and a miracle worker that he's able to do it some of y'all bound to traditions legalism this seems like Jesus but they do things a little different here than my old church man get See, because you, you just had a relationship with a church. You just had a relationship with a religious experience. I'm not talking about a religious experience. I'm not talking about simply a relationship with the church. I'm talking about the man who is the head of the church. That is Jesus. And when you begin to say God by faith, I believe that you're a healer. Go ahead, unravel me. Hey, I believe that you're a deliverer. I believe that you're able to set me free. I believe. 
I don't have it all together, but God, I believe. I may not have it figured out yet. There is much that I need to learn, but God, I want to take a step of faith to say, I want to get to know the real you. See, it's then that he will begin to reveal. When you start forgetting about tradition, when you start forgetting about what they said, about what they did, and say, I'm going to create a new narrative that you are not like what they said you were, that's when I will get to know you as Savior, Redeemer, Healer, Restore, deliver uh, I wish I had somebody that known him to be this <laughs> my comforter I, I have that testimony that when nobody's been there I will feel a hand over my life over my heart over my mind that would tell me keep going because better days are ahead. And that couldn't come from a man, simply a man. That came by the grace and mercy of Jesus. See, I've gotten to know him because I've been bound in my life before and I've seen him to be a deliverer. It's then that you're able to change the narrative that you're able to view it from a different lens because as long as you're seeing things from those lenses, you will never by faith be able to get to know the person of Jesus. And so today I want to tell you that if you've never thanked you, can you thank these gentlemen so much? God uses you tremendously, Brother Tinez, the way you held that mirror, brother. When you, when you get to fall in love with the person of Jesus, your life will be radically transformed. A religious experience doesn't do that. The person of Jesus. So I got I to gotta get my life right before I step into church. You got it all wrong, brother. You will never be able to get it right on your own. The falling in love with Jesus. See, there's rules and all these things you got to... No, 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 no. See, relationships have boundaries. If I was married or if I had a friendship and did whatever I wanted with who I wanted at whatever time I wanted, then that's not real love. So the reason, it's not that this is about rules and, and doing all of these things. What happens is when you fall in love with the person of Jesus, you just make a commitment to say the things I used to do, I can't do them anymore. The way I used to be, because I've fallen in love with Jesus, the way I used to act, I can't live that way anymore. It's not, see, I don't, I don't live the way I live because rules were imposed on me. I've fallen in love with Jesus, and so I want to serve him. I want to live for him. And so what he tells me in his word is what I will obey, not my emotions, what I want, because I've fallen in love with Jesus. And so today, my prayer is that you get to know this person. <laughs> Not what Abuelita told you. <laughs> Jesus.
Once again, much love and appreciation for listening to today's message. I'm so glad that you've been a part of the listening experience. But let me tell you, there's nothing like the live experience. It cannot be explained, only experienced. And so I encourage you to come out on a Sunday so you can listen to the messages live and be a part of a wonderful atmosphere within family and within community. You can find more information about our gatherings on our website at myhopecenter.org. Also make sure to follow us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at myhopecenter. I also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you get notified as soon as we upload content. Make sure to share it with your friends and your family. There's someone that you know that could really benefit from these messages. So make sure to spread the word about what's happening here on the Hope Huddle podcast. So again, I hope to see you soon. Until then, peace, love, and God bless.